0: Listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 162. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with sports performance coach and former Division I cross-country and track athlete Chloe Molesky. Chloe talks about how she turned grit and discipline into flexibility and adaptability in order for her to compete at an elite level. After years of strenuous training and getting burned out, it became more apparent that she needed to invest in the mental game. Due to this experience, Chloe is a full-time mental performance coach working with all levels of athletes and teaching athletes on how to compete more effectively from the inside out. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athletes Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR.
1: Hey, Chloe, how are you?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me on today,
0: Grant.
1: All right. Well, man, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you and an honor to have you because not only just because you're an incredible athlete and the things you've done as an athlete, I can't wait to share share that whole journey with my my listeners, but you're also a mental performance coach. So we're going to tap into sports psychology, mindset, and all sorts of different dynamics that that we deal with as coaches. So I'm really excited to have you on my show today. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, as I always say on every show, that uh, mental toughness is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I love starting my show and setting the tone with mental toughness. So when you think about being mentally tough or just mental toughness, like what does mental toughness mean to you?
2: I'm so happy we're opening with this question because I think it's very much transformed for me over the years. if I look back to when I was an athlete myself, I would have said grit. If I said 10 years ago, I would have just been grit, like get yeah, through it. Yeah. And now as a mental performance coach, I would say flexibility and adaptability is mental toughness to me.
1: Wow. Now that's beautiful. Um, and you know what, man, I say this all the time on my show, but we all know what mental toughness is. Mental toughness is, and we know like we have our own meaning, but no one has really said that over the last 200 episodes there's always something completely different or a little bit different and that's why I love asking that because it's an obvious especially in athletics got to be mentally tough well what does that mean to you well like adaptability and flexibility that's I haven't really heard that I mean I know that but that's it's just it's beautiful so when you think about your your whole career as an athlete and even as a mental performance coach can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough, where you had to roll up your sleeves and and grit it out?
2: Yeah. So when I look back on my athletic career, I think that grit and discipline is what got me to the next level, but it wasn't sustainable. And that's why I changed my answer to flexibility and adaptability. So it was very good for a short period of time but it wasn't sustainable in any capacity. (laughs) So I think I, and what I look back at is I look at my training logs from when I was, you know, in high school and college and it's just like, wow, I was going out there in negative eight degree weather and doing hill repeats. And I was really, really getting, pain cave in my, in my memory bank and re- knowing what that felt like. So I was prepared for battle no matter what.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. But is there, is there like that, that one race, that one moment where, where you were like, like you, you just dug in you had to be mentally tough.
2: Yeah. I I mean, it was, it goes back to having that, that memory bank of I got this. And I remember mm-hmm. being on the starting line of state championship and being next to my the main competitor I had in my state and thinking, oh, she was definitely not because I played three sports. So I played basketball in the winter. So I would have to do my runs to get ready for spring track. I would run before school at like 5 a.m. And I'm from New Hampshire. So it's like dark. (laughs) no one's out like there's no one in a very small population negative 17 degrees i'll never forget i came back with frostbite one morning but i remember on the starting line bringing that memory up and when it was like a warm spring day state championship and i was like she was not out there and i was
1: yeah man man that just uh gave me goosebumps because that's like when you truly like you know when i'm sure you've heard this you know doing all the hard work in the dark so you can shine in the light there it is. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about competitive spirit or just competing. Cause I think that to me, I mean, obviously when we compete in our sport, you know, the basis, the foundation is like, cause we love it. We have fun. It's joyful. Right. But we earn the right to like compete. And there's just something like, man, when we're competing for me. It's just like, it's, it's, it's unreal. Like I'm like, this is it. it is competing. So you playing three sports and also competing at the division 1 level uh duke, duke university um where did this competitive spirit like if could you go back to like the moment where you realized you started being competitive
2: yeah so i have three brothers oh. and i think i always had a chip on my shoulder I was like, I'm going to prove to my dad that I'm a, I'm just as good an athlete as my brothers. Um, I may be the girl, but I'm going to show out and I'm going to get a scholarship. And I'm so that was, I think, where it was where it formed at a young age. And it, then, and then it kind of became my identity. Truthfully, like everyone knew, if we were at a pool party and there was a ping pong table, I wasn't going to leave the ping pong table. And if I lost, like I was going to be really, I was competitive. Chloe, it was like a huge part of how everyone knew me and it served me really well to get to the next level but again i'd say it wasn't sustainable in a lot of ways and that when i got to duke i i wasn't able to i didn't realize that i was going to have to keep up that competitive energy at such a high level all the time it's impossible to be on all the time as we're realizing yeah. in society now when we have devices and all these things like you can't be on all the time otherwise you won't show up as your best self
0: right
1: so how did you deal with that? Because, um, I, cause I felt that with me, I, I got to a point where, you know, I played football for 13 years and I felt like for the most part, each year was good. My last year was, was the worst. Like it sucked that I left, left, left the game of football on my shittiest year, but but I, I kind of made up a story. Like I wasn't having fun. I'm like, I don't want to compete all the time. I don't want to be on, I don't want to be the quarterback all the time. I just started putting all this pressure. Um, and so I didn't deal with it the, the right way, whatever that, that means, but I just, I could have done it differently. Um, how do you deal with that? Like, how did you deal with that? When you're like, you're constantly like, you've been competing three sports now you're at division one Now you got to step it up. Like how do you keep those those levels at a healthy, healthy rate?
2: Well, truthfully, I didn't. I broke. I was I I couldn't handle it. I was so used to winning in every area of my life. And then to get to a place like Duke where everyone's smart and everyone's fast, mm-hmm.
0: I didn't I wasn't
2: prepared to handle it. And that's how I got into mental performance coaching because I wish I had the tools to understand and reflect. And, and now, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, I really missed a fantastic opportunity competing is a privilege. And when I got Um, to Duke, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I was burnt. I was burned out. I was, I wasn't, I broke.
1: Mm. And so what did you do though? When you broke, like, how did you recover from that?
2: I remember being in the gym cross training cause I, I got three stress fractures and I had never been injured before. And then I just constantly was getting hurt with these stress fractures and it, it didn't really make sense. But I think it was my body saying, Chloe, you're stressed. Stop doing what you're doing. You can't put this much pressure on yourself 24 seven. Uh, but I remember being on the bike and in the pool. So we do aqua jogging. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's miserable. Like, and at that point, I would like put my iPod Shuffle in a plastic bag so I could like listen to music and be in the pool. And I have to be in the pool for like. I got to be in the pool for like an go. hour and a half uh, to make up for all the land that I wasn't running on. But I remember thinking, like, Chloe, you're going through this for a reason right now, and like you don't see it. Yeah. But this is preparing you for something like great, because I didn't get the experience of being on the team because I was constantly cross training by myself or with the other teammates that were injured, but it was not the experience that I was hoping for. And, but I was right. Like the, where I'm at now and I wouldn't change anything and it sounds so corny. I've never said that before, but it's true. Like it really prepared me to be able to support athletes the way I do now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, through all the things I went through for years, um, it sucked being, going through it. It really did. Uh, then, but I got through it and now I look back, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I went through that shit. Cause now i got a story to tell and I got, but it's, it's more about the story. It's about how you can learn from it.
2: Yeah. And I think the key, and we know this is just not giving up. And the fact that I'm so, I feel so I feel so courageous that I just kept running. Like I never stopped training and I never stopped trying to figure out this relationship between my mind and my body. And I just kept working through it, kept working through it, kept working through it. And I think that's really what sets people apart in the mental performance field. Like when working with athletes, it's the people who doesn't give up,
1: who doesn't give up. Right. Right. And and I will say this because you brought up training. Uh, I know you still train and I, we're going to tag, we're going to have everybody look at all your social media, but I'm going to throw it in right now. If you want to see someone who is just relentless with training, go check out Chloe's page on IG. I mean, when I was looking at it, I'm like, man, you, yeah, you, you don't quit. You okay. just keep on going. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's, it, I think, it is transforming though, you know, and being adaptable during these times when, you know, I didn't have a gym to go to for a while. And I was mm. like, okay, you know, it's time to be a little bit more gentle with my body right now. And, um, but I, I really, I'd say if I had one motto for the way I approach, not only mental performance training, but my own physical training is quality over quantity period. Totally. And, you know, I think you can't really go wrong there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like, uh, especially when you're training, having quality reps, Not uh, just don't do a bunch of reps. I mean, you can, don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for that, but, but if you can do a bunch of them still with quality behind it, that's, it's a nice marriage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, before we get into, um, get into mental skills and kind of, and, and also transition, um, I, right now in society, when it comes to sports, there's a huge focus and has been on specialization Mm -hmm. and which is really nice to hear is that, you know, I didn't specialize. I was kind of like you, I played three sports. Um, I played tons of sports when I was younger, but you were in a different generation than I am and you played three sports. So what was it about cross country and track that, that kind of, Pulled you to, to dedicate more time and get a scholarship or was there other sports that you were connected to, uh, but you just didn't get that scholarship?
2: Yeah, definitely. I would have played basketball over any sport. If I could have, I just, uh, I I didn't have the confidence in basketball to play at a division one level. Uh, And with running also, it's so straightforward. you, run a time and you get in there's no politics involved there's Mm. no equipment you just need a pair of shoes you can do it anywhere for me it felt the most logical get from get out of my small town get somewhere where i had more opportunity
1: got it you know interesting that you're talking about running um, and not dealing with um, very singular, obviously, right. You're just running with yourself, but there's a lot of stuff that you don't deal with, with, with team sports um, and also the environments, but uh, share with my listeners, you know, cause I think this is really, it's a, it's a great question for runners because it's just you and your mind. It's just you and your breath, it's just you and your body. So when you're like, when you're going and you've been going at it Um, do you have those mantras? Do you have those certain like go-to words that just so you can keep going or, and also have you, do you let your mind wander a little bit as you're running and then bring it back?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I definitely had during like a 1500 meter race, something really gritty an 800 meter race, you know, I would have to have mantras that were like pain is weakness, leaving the body. It was just you know, you, you're going in knowing that you're going, you're going to be in pain. And that's what I talked to some of my athletes that are runners. They're going across the country for regionals. Like some of them have ACC's this weekend and you're literally traveling to put yourself in pain, excruciating pain for like two minutes, especially one of my athletes, she's an 800 runner. And it's just like, how do you prepare yourself for something like that? How do you, how do you get excited when you also know that there is pain involved? but I say that it prepared me for everything else in my life. Like nothing hurts the way a, a middle distance race
1: hurts. So you you left, uh, getting, you were saying you, you had to get going through pain and get to get prepared yeah. for it.
2: Yeah. How to, so how to prepare athletes when they know like with my middle distance runners, they're they're set, they know that they're go, traveling to a meet. They're maybe flying across the country, whatever it is to go be in pain for two minutes four minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. Uh, it's a, it's a different mindset you have to have. How do you turn that into excitement? You know?
1: Exactly. That that's huge. I, I'm, I've talked to athletes a lot and there's, there's this, some of them have like, they, they don't know that they can be excited. Like they'll come up to me and they're like, man, I'm so nervous. I'm like, are you nervous? Or are you excited? And they're like, wait, well, yeah, I can be excited. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> you can, yes. you, you can do it. You can think anything in this moment right now, you can come from fear. You can come from excitement, joy. You can honor all the reps that you've done, all your training. You can do that if you want to, yes. or you can, or you can actually get sucked into all the negativity and the what ifs and the future and all that stuff. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's uh, I love being on this side of the, the chair when I'm working with athletes, just because, it's just, it's just really cool to, to be exposed to different thinkings. And I don't know at all. I th- I feel like I've experienced it all, but I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just really cool to, to be on that journey with these athletes. hundred
2: mm-hmm. percent.
1: Yeah. So I want to share that. I like, I want to let everybody know that, you know, when you were in high school, you were named Gatorade, New Hampshire athlete of the year. And, uh, that just sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the rest of your life, you know, you've got that, which I think is pretty cool. Um, When you were named this athlete of the year, what did you feel like?
2: I think at that time I wasn't very connected with myself truthfully, but I, that's kind of where I got all of my personal self-worth was from these accolades. So that was definitely the biggest one. And I was, you know, it, it felt great. It was like, here we go. This, this work is paying off. I'm it, it's, it's showing something, you know? Uh, so yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that like when you were into Duke is when you started to like you transition into learning more about mental performance and then, you know, became a mental, mental performance coach. But when you were in high school, were you exposed to to, to mental skills?
2: Not in any way, shape or form. And I will say too, so something I'm leaning into for my own practice is, you know, I got my master's in clinical psychology and I did that purposefully because there were resources for sports psych and mental performance but from personally my experience that wasn't what i needed i needed to be seen as not an athlete and you know we all go through this identity foreclosure we we're not athletes forever and i think the earlier we can prepare for that and foster other parts of ourselves the better we are and we're more likely to show up as the best human we can be
1: big time mm-hmm. how was i mean considering you shared with me a little bit about you know your experience at duke Mm -hmm. But how was your transition out of sport? Was it smooth? Did it take longer than expected? What kind of emotions did you have to deal with?
2: Yeah, I feel really lucky to be where I am now. It took a long time to negotiate that I was going to work with athletes. Because like I said, I was going for clinical psych, so I could choose to work with, in pathological psychology and, and yeah. other, had other options. And I was asked myself the question, Chloe, are you just hanging on to this athlete identity? Are you? Why do you want to work with athletes? And then flipping the script on that and reframing and being like, no, this is exactly why you need to work with athletes is because you didn't feel seen in any other way. And so the fact that I am now able to show up as a coach and see athletes as a whole human and not just as a player on a field a runner on a track. Uh, that's, that's my, why that's why I show up.
1: Man. It's awesome. Now the identity piece, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: how long, how long did, did you ever have to move away? And like, did you ever get to a point where you're like, I'm not an athlete anymore because I spent like almost two decades in that Mm -hmm. space. Um, and so now I'm 47, and I can say I'm an athlete still. Finally, but did you did you like how long did you live in that space, or did you of not like identifying being an athlete or wanting to be an athlete?
2: I think I still live in the space where I'm identify as an athlete, and that's part of the reason why I train the way I do now. And mm-hmm. I do I sign up for competitions. You know, I I do, I do CrossFit competitions. I do I do crazy ultra runs and I'm still competitive. So, and what I, and I think part of the reason I do it is kind of testing my own mental skills and seeing if this stuff I'm talking about actually works because the training's very different than it was when I was in high school and college. And it's much more quality over quantity focused on mindset, not just burning myself to the ground with high mileage and like going hard every day. You know, it's a very, uh, it's a very intentional
1: approach I take and it's been working. So. Yeah. Well, I know that it's like, well, this is a general statement, but in high school, we're, we're still trying to, you know, high schoolers in general are, are dealing with hormones are dealing with their thoughts and emotions. They're, they're still learning. Right. And so when you think about back then uh, mm-hmm. pressure, right. So your relationship with pressure then versus now, and when you think about what you know because you teach people how to deal with pressure Mm -hmm. right so how different was the way you dealt with pressure in high school and now that you've gone through all these life experiences now that you've got all this education now you're teaching everybody but you're still competing Mm -hmm. how different is your relationship with pressure now as an athlete than when you were in high school great question
2: night and day but i think a lot of it also comes down to the lack of experience you have in high school so everything mm. a boy not texting you back seems like the world's ending and that's you so all these moments seem like high pressure moments when in reality when you step back and have perspective or have another 10 years on your life you realize that you know it's just a moment and these moments are precious each moment is precious and you're able to show up in a better way because you you understand that so um i think that's where this this wisdom this this love for the old wise is just it doesn't get old because it's 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 truly time is time is everything and having that experience
1: right right you know kind of going back i don't know why i keep on going back to high school but i think there's a lot of lessons there right it's a great platform um but going back to like since you didn't weren't exposed to mental skills training. And I know that there's certain interventions and mental skills strategies are for, certain, for certain things in certain times. But because you, you weren't exposed, if you could go back to your 15, 16, seven-year-old self, um, what do you think, like what, what mental skill did you need back then?
2: I think it goes back For me personally, it was less about mental skills and more about mental health and psychologically how I was looking at everything. Uh, Because it's kind of like, if I think about it, I was relying, like I said, I was relying on this grit. It's like me being a tennis player and relying just on my biceps to get the ball over the net instead of using my hips. Like I could do it. Cause I've got strong biceps. Like I'll get through it, but it's not sustainable. It's not going to last forever. I'm going to tear something eventually. Right. And that's kind of what I was doing in high school. I was just relying on my ability to be the most disciplined and the most competitive. Mm. And, but it, like I said, it wasn't sustainable. So I think I needed, I needed a reframe. I needed someone to guide me and give me some perspective that I didn't have.
1: Got it. Well, when you think about um, now that you're exposed to all these strategies and and, and knowing how to teach them, mm-hmm. what's the one that you use, or it could be more than just one, but what are your go-tos for yourself when you're training?
2: I think visualization is the most powerful, mm-hmm. you know, our mind so, follows what we see. So I, I think if I could only hone in on one skill with athletes, it would always be that and helping them get granular with it. A lot of times we just like, you know, cause I did practice visualization before races. I would lay down and see myself winning, yeah. uh, but I wasn't, I was not, I didn't visualize how I felt, what I smell, all these other things. And I think that's the missing link. That's where it gets powerful.
1: Yeah, totally. And you know what I, as I did the work and you know, I didn't know back in the day that because my dad taught me to visualize when I was 10 years old. So that was kind of cool. And, but to, to know that your brain doesn't know the difference between a mental rep and a physical rep, right? I was like, that is, and that's my selling point when I'm like working with athletes. I'm like, listen, when you're sitting there in line, I know people next to you are not visualizing. So you're getting four or five more reps before you get your physical rep in. And so for me, when I learn anything, whether it's my guitar, piano, or even when I'm working out, I just, cause I feel that my images are just could have been doing it for such a long time that I do everything in threes. So I, I see it first and then I do it. And then if I have to support that good rep or recorrect it, I just got three reps in one. And so I do that with my life. Like it gets a little like, um, I don't, I'm not super anal about it, but like anytime I'm, I'm trying to perform it at something, I just do threes. That's what I call them.
2: Wow. I love that. It reminds me of the book. Well, it reminds me of a few things In the study they did with free throws where they did like one yes. one group did hundred free throws, one did a hundred mental free throws and one did 50, yeah. 50. And basically they came out to know that the mental free throws work just as well as practice <laughs> as the physical ones. And I think that's, yeah. that speaks for itself. It also reminds me of, um, the book talent code where they talk about, have you read it? Uh, but it's basically about intentional practice and how like a lot of times we go to practice for like four hours, but we're not completely present. And if you just spend five minutes being a hundred percent focused and present and there, it can make the biggest difference.
1: Oh yeah, It, it does. And I forgot who, who shared this with me, but, and I use it a lot. I wish I could remember who, um, or why I read it, but when it comes to visualizing your performance, uh, there's, there was a statement that I read and it's be your own filmmaker. And, and so when I do that, when I, even when I share it, people are like, oh man, that's great. And it is great because what you're creating in your head is going to come real if, if you do it enough times, but you can actually, you, you want to create a scene and you want to put like a soundtrack on it you want to like create that environment, man, you get to do that. And it's like, and if you're a creative person, it's just a cool place to be.
2: Totally. And I think you're hitting a great point, too. What's even more powerful with visualization is not even just seeing it through your lens, but also. So if you're a baseball player, seeing throwing a perfect game and seeing what the how the crowd's reacting, what the ump looks like, what your coach looks like out there in the dugout, yeah. like things like that, really making it as Clear as possible, and being the filmmaker, I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, since we are kind of diving into the the mental side of of our coaching, uh, I love asking this question to all mental performance coaches and also sports psychologists. Um, when you're working with an athlete, mm-hmm. like what what is it that just like rocks your frequency? Like when you're just sitting there with an athlete, going, "I love my job." Like, what is it?
2: Oh, there's a, there's a lot truthfully. Sometimes I have to pinch myself because I I love what I'm doing so much. I would say I really like working with the younger athletes because they're like a sponge and everything you say, they, they really absorb and they take it in. And sometimes when you get to the higher levels, it's harder because they've already made it there. So that grit or that, you know, it served them in some way, but sometimes it's not sustainable and it's harder to kind of change all those experiences and change mindsets uh so i love when i'm with the younger athletes and i get texts that you know i scored 28 points this game i did this and it worked and like i'm just like truly leaning into everything that we're talking about and committing to it and without fear whereas like when you get older there's that fear of you know, they have hesitations. Is this going to work? You know, but with the younger athletes, they'll just dive in. And it's so beautiful.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So with where you're at in your career as a mental performance coach, like what is your, I know this sounds really funny or cliche, like what's your five year plan? What's your 10 year plan? But like whether if it's five or 10 years, like where do you want to take your, your career?
2: Yeah. So I've always had this vision of having centers in underserved communities to offer this kind of mental performance coaching, or I don't even know if it just somewhere where they can foster their mind too, with sport, mm-hmm. because I think that's the issue that I'm running into now is I work with people that can afford to hire a mental performance coach, but I know how powerful of a tool it is, and I want everyone to have access. So long-term, I would love to be able to open some sort of health house where every every part of every athlete was able to like flourish and grow and be valued and seen.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's very vague, but um, I see that for myself at some point.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and I, you know, you and I both know Grant Betchart and we we talked about this recently, but we were talking about When he started 17 years ago, um, you know, this was, it was kind of a, you know, a weird thing. Like, like, what is that? Like, you want to talk to me about my feelings and like all that. So we were talking about how, how the field has changed so much, right? So it's, we're at a point now, like where it's, we got so much awareness with mental skills and mental health And so from, from you in in a different generation and when you're in high school, you didn't, you weren't exposed to it. It wasn't around. So from like high school and all the way up until now, Mm -hmm. like how much, like how much change have you seen in the field? How much have you seen from your perspective?
2: Yeah. Truthfully, it still feels kind of, uh, what's that? to me, but I'm also in New Hampshire right now where I think I was in Los Angeles for five years and it would, there would be less of that. Uh, but I think it's still hard to sell because it's not sexy in a lot of ways. It doesn't, you don't see your mind getting bigger, you know, you don't, (laughs) but I love something that really helps bring it home with, higher level athletes is if, you know, you, you put them in the locker room and you tell them, okay, think about your best game you've ever had in your life. Okay. You know, and really let's like, remember that. Let's go into all the feels visualizing it. Okay. Now think about your worst game. Really think about it. Okay. What was physically different about you? Probably not much. <laughs> probably not much. Right. So I love using that because it really highlights how important between the ears is. And it's, it's just, when I say that out loud to you, it's like, how are we not focusing on this more?
1: I know. I know. It's, um, it's interesting because I think as a society, I think we're like, it's part of our vernacular now, like the mental game, you know, it's, and also mental health, which um, I know that you, you're you dealing a lot on the mental health side as well. But I, I feel that it's at a point where there's so many coaches out there, which is a great thing. I mean, that's a good sign. But but why? Like you were saying, like going into to these, like, you know, um, creating these houses of, you know, to deal with, you know, underprivileged kids and making sure they have these resources. But I'm at a point like, why doesn't every high school why not? Um, and so, and it doesn't have to be the high schools, uh, that or colleges that are, you know, privately held. It should be, it should be just part of the the program that there should be at least one mental performance coach for every institution.
2: I agree. I think that
1: sounds fantastic. Maybe
2: you're maybe my five-year plan right now.
1: <laughs> You'll hire me now. <laughs> so one question here before, before we wrap up, um, when you reflect on your whole career and I'm going to go deep on you here a little bit cause I always end this on a deep question. But so when you re like reflect on your whole athletic career and also mental performance career, like what do you think you've learned the most about yourself?
2: I think what I've learned, it kind of goes back to a similar sentiment I said earlier but it truly is about showing up and the consistency. And if you can count on yourself to do that, then you can, then it's going to evolve into a lot more. And I think a lot of times we take for granted, I mean, we talked about how it's important to be focused and show up, but if you know that you got yourself and that you're going to show up no matter what, Mm. that's really, really powerful mentally. And I think just seeing all the consistency payoff has been on days where I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I writing my gratitude, meditating, doing my mobility, like every single day, no one's watching me like, you know, things like that. And just finally seeing all the dots connect.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I've, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, uh, the slight edge, Mm-mm. but it's, um, the, the slight edge is actually doing a little bit each day for a long time. And that will give you the slight edge. And it's a beautiful book. Cause it talks about like, you, you know, we see all these things out there, like the seven pillars of this, of the five ways to, you know, achieve greatness, all, all of that stuff is right it all works but why does it work for some people and it doesn't work for for others Mm -hmm. right and it goes to the law of too easy It's, it's really easy to do and it's really easy not to do and if you're not doing it consistently a little bit each day for a long time well, none of these pillars or the five ways to greatness is going to work. So so the, the grind of, and I hear Graham in my head, grease the grind with joy, right? But when you're grinding every day with meditation and journaling and all that stuff, you just do it a little bit and you'll see it in a year. You'll yeah. see it. Yeah. That's exactly
2: what I'm going through right now. And it feels like magic. And I know it's not magic. It's like, no, this is you. This is everything you did. You showed up every single day and did yeah. this. But I, you know, what's so interesting is I think we as a society and in sport have such a black and white mindset, you know, it's easier for our brains to compartmentalize and say, you know, I'm either going to eat junk or I'm going to eat really healthy, but it's like, why can't we reframe that, you know, doing a dead one deadlift between every meeting that's going to add up. Like, how come, why can't we see things that way? And, um, I think it's really powerful if we're consistent with that and we don't just write things off as, Oh, well just, you know, I think, I think we can really change if we take advantage and are consistent in little things every day, like you
1: said, big time, you know, and I love what you said earlier about showing up. If you want to go anywhere, it's really hard to to go from from point A to point B if you if you're not showing up if you're not at least getting in the car to drive you know so it's a huge point and not only showing up it's a, it's about being vulnerable um, and it's not about necessarily being vulnerable with your feelings it is a hundred percent but it's also being vulnerable with your performance being vulnerable uh, with people around you in the environment just showing up and being right. vulnerable so. I have a quick question for you. So what's your
2: balance? So a lot of times with runners, the motivation of just getting your shoes on, you know, and getting out there is something that they run into a lot. And, uh, something that I've negotiated over the years and I'm still figuring out is that balance between, yeah, showing up, but also recognizing the times where you need to rest.
1: Yeah. Big time.
2: wondering what kind of tools you've you use with your athletes when trying to figure balance that
1: for me, it's, you know, again, it's, it starts with language. So it's, and I I heard you say it a little bit. I I heard you uh, correct yourself earlier, but I get to, Mm -hmm. right. So I get to, I get to put on my shoes and beat the shit out of my body for an hour and I get to recover and i think when we understand stress our bodies were built to actually be stressed out but we have to get to a point and have that balance as you say to push push the limits so we can earn the right to recover but when we earn the right and we build awareness around it we can say again i get to recover i get to and uh, for, yeah so using i get to um on the front end and the back end of of what you're saying to me provides the balance of
2: Yeah, that's amazing. And I I love because I always reframe the language too with my athletes as well as I get to put my (laughs) cleats right now and play football for a living. That's amazing. But reframing on the other end of I get to recover and spend time with my family and do I think that's beautiful. And I'm definitely going to use that.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So, man, I could talk to you for another hour on this stuff. I know. That's awesome. Well, how can my listeners, how can they follow you on social media, learn more about your practice, and reach out to you? Yeah.
2: Uh growithclow at gmail.com. is my website, and my Instagram is grow So I, I keep it simple, uh, but it's G R O
1: and clo. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chloe, thank you for, for being on my show and sharing your, your journey and your mindset and your energy. I really appreciate it. Thank
2: you for having me. This was, you know, it's just always great having a conversation with you. So I appreciate it.
1: Beautiful.